This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. I recorded this interview with Naima a couple weeks before the brutal and senseless murder of George Floyd on May 25th, 2020. Thank you to listeners tuning in from Japan and India, Iran, Europe. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. I bet you've heard a little bit about what's going on in the U.S., but you might not know George Floyd's name yet. George Floyd is the black man that was saying, please, I can't breathe, while a police officer knelt on his neck for eight minutes in the street in broad daylight, and George Floyd died. There have been so many black Americans targeted and killed by the police in my country. George Floyd, like many others, was unarmed. And I have said nothing. I have been the progressive white girl, unaware of my own white fragility and racism, not stopping to consider how my silence has been a huge part of this issue let alone the racism in me that I have been too busy to face and educate. I have used fear as an excuse for saying nothing, fear that I don't know enough, fear that I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm done. I'm done keeping myself in the dark about the experience and the limitations put on Black, Indigenous, and people of color in my own town and country and world. Once I saw past my white guilt and stopped defending myself, I got excited. Now it's time for me to become Alicia the Ally, to figure out what Alicia the Ally says how she thinks, what she reads, what she says to people she loves that are racists, what she says to herself when she sees that she's being racist, what she does when she sees that someone needs an ally. I'm not talking about changing others. I'm talking about improving myself and supporting those who have already been through too much shit. I'm sorry I've been so quiet about racism when it is such a huge issue in our dance communities, events, and in our lives as a whole. I'm done being quiet. I would be honored to feature more dancers of color on this show, so if you have any suggestions, please send me an email through my site, aliciafree.com, or send me a Facebook message. Thank you for listening. Now let's turn the spotlight on Naima and start this interview. Naima is known for her mystique, theatrical performances, and gothic flair. She is a drop-dead gorgeous Baltimore-based visual artist who started belly dancing back in 1999, right around the same time I did. She has performed at many festivals, including Tribal Fest and Belly Palooza, and other events with great names like Belly Horror and Raven's Night. She's judged and danced in competitions and been featured in a music video and also been on the news. She's a very interesting dancer that you are going to love meeting virtually in this interview. Let's start with a reflection and ritual that just might light up your life. Danceable Ritual Naima, do you have a danceable ritual that you would like to share? Yes. <laughs> a lot of times when I pull out a butter knife for eating while something is cooking or in the microwave or in a toaster, I'll dance with it like it's either a sword or a cane. That's probably with all silverware. <laughs> That's amazing. So you essentially pretend that your butter knife is a sword. <laughs> yes, or a cane. Or a cane, right. That's a really fun one. Like many of us dancers, you started by learning Egyptian-style cabaret. Now a lot of your performances are very theatrical, sometimes dark with gothic elements, and you describe your niche as modern belly dance. Tell us about that. So I had an internal conflict with myself when it comes to belly dance. Like there's a lot of music that I love that is more alternative or gothic or industrial. And then I still love the Arabic music 
and the costuming that goes with that. So if you look at my dancing and my photos, you can see that conflict happening. So I just hope it modern because a lot of it is experimental in the modern art sort of way. And I still have a lot of those cab elements in my dancing and costuming, but then there's the dark stuff that comes in every now and then. And <laughs> you can definitely see it in anything I post about dance. There's a little bit of everything in there. Nice. You can check out these fun posts that Naima is referring to on her Instagram account, Naima Dances. That's N-A-I-M-A-H Dances and also on NaimaDances.com. It's fun to make the distinction between the different styles that are pulling you. I like how you talk about it as if it's a conflict. How did you get into the whole gothic style? Well, I've always been into gothic splash industrial splash dark wave (laughs) music since maybe middle school and so I went to goth nightclubs a lot so it just sort of carried on into belly dance because I'd go out dancing at these clubs and I'd belly dance to (laughs) that type of music at those clubs so it just sort of rolled into belly dancing as well. You still have a couple of nights per month. Nice and then you get all dressed up? Yes absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of the fun right? Yes. Wonderful. I went to a small school in upstate New York, and if I had known how to be goth, I would have done it. There was so little artistic expression, I guess, in the school. There was a big emphasis on looking like everyone else. But when I got to college, and I just started seeing the goth things, it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) When I saw that element of your dance, I was like, I've got to interview Naima. Did you create the term modern belly dance or have you seen that used other places? I had seen it used other places and when I saw it, I thought, oh, that really describes more of what I do. It was very hard to label what I did. Like when tribal was more a thing, a lot of people were calling what they did tribal because they didn't have anything else to call what they did. And I feel modern is more the appropriate term because it's not hardcore cab. I'm not constantly dancing to Arabic music. I still dance to Arabic music, but it's not what I always do. So that seemed to be the most appropriate term to use for what I do. Cool. Now it's time for some music. Danceable song. Is there a danceable song that you would like to share? Well, there's the artist Maduro, and some of his older stuff was more Middle Eastern sounding. One of the songs that I've been listening to lately is called The Black Room, and I like to do sword to that because it's kind of gritty and slow and dark. So that would be one danceable song. After this interview, we figured out that the song The Black Room is on Bandcamp, but not Spotify. There's another Maduro song on Spotify that Naima wanted to spotlight called Poison Drop. I love it. Almost creepy violin riffs keep coming around. It has different dubstep elements like subsonic bass. I can just imagine Naima in her kitchen listening to this song and pulling out a butter knife. All of the songs that I feature in these podcasts are on the Spotify playlist called Belly Dance, Body, and Soul. There's over 200 songs on there, amazing songs, classic ones, unconventional songs that will get you dancing. If you're looking for a song for a performance or for practice, just go right to that Belly Dance, Body, and Soul playlist on Spotify and follow it. It's also linked to on my website, aliciafree.com, A-L-I-C-A. C-I-A-F-R-E-E dot com. You'll see the Spotify icon right there. 
Is there anything else you want to say about Maduro as an artist? Well, he used to live in D.C., and I don't know what he's up to these days. So I do know that I still like his music. It's not as in our faces as it used to be, but I still look for it from time to time. I wonder why they started making more belly dance-sounding music. Well, he was married to a belly dancer, so that was part of what he did. Gotcha. You are the co-director of Art of the Belly, which is an annual belly dance festival in Ocean City, Maryland. What does Art of the Belly mean to you? What makes it special? It was originally put together to offer our local community a place to all get together and perform and explode it from there. And it's still very much geared towards offerings a home for the belly dance community to showcase what they have been working on and really just be around other dancers and enjoy themselves and get be immersed in everything that is belly dance. So it's really just a thing to get back to the community, I guess. <laughs> we really enjoy putting it together and we enjoy having everybody come out and we really miss it right now. <laughs> and I hope we are able to pick it back up in October, but it was very tough to not be able to see everyone this year. It's just a big party and on Saturday nights we have a big after party and it gets bigger and bigger every year and it just explodes through the hotel. Sometimes it gets a little rowdy, but it's still so much fun. I featured Joe Boring in another one of these interviews, and I think she helps with the party planning, or she was going to this year. Yes. (laughs) She's so much fun. So it's really about community and enjoying and just sharing what you've been working on, seeing each other, celebrating. Yes. Wonderful. That's my kind of festival right there. Yeah, I was bummed. That was right at the beginning of quarantine. You guys had to make that call. It's like one week earlier. I don't know what would have happened. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's going to be this Halloween weekend, right? Of this year, 2020. Yeah. I wish I could come to the Halloween. Halloween's actually my birthday. So I always, oh oh yeah, I take it so seriously. It's such a (laughs) sacred day to me. So I always have my party and my son's birthday's right before. So we'll do the joint party. And otherwise I'd totally be at Art of the Belly this year, but I'm already on board for March of next year when it usually happens is in March, correct? Yes. Yeah, so March 2021 and October 2020, that's when Art of the Belly is going to be happening. Yeah, my birthday is in October as well. It's October 11th, but I still celebrate it all month. And Halloween is still part of my birthday month, so I definitely celebrate then as well. But it's more Halloween related. I kind of feel like you and I, Naima, we might celebrate Halloween throughout the year more so than others. Yeah. Our family's been getting dressed up and dancing every day for the last 55 consecutive days. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's been really fun. We do it on Facebook Live every day so that my mom can <laughs> see us and, you know, people can laugh at us. My husband, I gave him a mohawk yesterday for Mother's Day and he wore a tutu from my video. <laughs> you know, we can appreciate dress up. I can see that studio space that you have set up with the red curtain too and you have the great light and you've been doing fantastic makeup and you always got your hair done and I can see you're having fun with it too. Yes, I'm doing my best. Right? Yeah. I see that you've performed with the band Ishtar, which is led by a very spunky clarinet player named Melissa that I really need to invite on this podcast. I'm always happy to hear Melissa and the other members of Ishtar playing around the fires of Penzik, which Naima also frequents Penzik, the medieval festival in Pennsylvania around August every year, late July. What do you enjoy about dancing to live music, Naima? I enjoy, honestly, the challenge of it. (laughs) 
a lot of people are afraid to perform to live music, including myself. So I enjoy being more my vulnerable self, like being out there in front of a band. Sometimes it doesn't always go as planned, so it's hard to choreograph anything to live music. I've attempted to with my troupe, and that was interesting. It was fun. We had to take a quick left turn <laughs> into no man's land. So it can be a challenge, usually when you're improving to live music and I enjoy a challenge. I take on the challenge. And also, it's nice to be up there with other people. And you're a part of them, and they're a part of you in the performance. And a lot of times, they work with whatever it is that you're doing. And it comes together as a collaboration of art. So I would say that's one thing that's a big part of what I enjoy about performing to live music is (laughs) being a challenge and taking it on. Nice. I've been in a Middle Eastern band for years. And when we have played for dancers, I have to apologize just up front. Like, we're not going to play it like the recording. (laughs) I can't control these guys. You know, it's like it's an organic experience. Just always different. Sometimes I forget the words when I'm singing, you know. So yes, choreographing to live music, unless it's the song Aziza, for example, which is heavily orchestrated and pretty much the same. Most times most people play it. Yeah, I see dancers can be hesitant. And then some dancers love it, like you're saying you take it on as a challenge and it makes it even more enjoyable in some ways yeah let's do some dancing damn sexy dance move what damn sexy dance move would you like to share i like to do flutters a lot (laughs) that might be my favorite also a combination we call it bicycle hip into a an undulation up Almost like the hip motion, what the hip does when you're riding a bike. There's also an infinity hip, which is similar. You're creating the infinity symbol with your hip. I'm trying to figure out the more technical name for it. (laughs) I think I haven't learned one. I think those were the ones that were taught to me to describe that move. Cool. Now with the bicycle hip, is it like your hips are actually like your feet on the pedals? Like they're making two different circles on your sides or is something different? Well, you could have one heel lifted and do it that way, or it could be flat on the ground and you would bend the knee so that you could lift that hip to scoop it forward or scoop it back and go into an undulation up. That's one of the things I've been doing while we're sheltering in place is learning how to belly flutter. Because I think it looks so beautiful, but I've never figured out where my diaphragm was until recently. So that's really cool that you wanted to spotlight that move and that combination. I'll put a link to a video of this move in the show notes. And I keep adding helpful free dance videos on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe and the moves will keep coming. As a model, sometimes you hold a pose for up to 25 minutes. Has modeling influenced your belly dance style? Yes. Also burlesque. I don't do burlesque, but I have taken burlesque classes and the three of them combine really help each other. And posing is a part of like you have pauses in a song and you want to really make it juicy with a nice pose. And so it's good to know how to pose and hold it (laughs) forever length of time that you need to. And I think modeling really adds to how much posing I can do. It adds to the variety of poses. 
it also adds to the movement. So I could start a movement from a pose and go move that into the next pose. Or, you know, it could work with uh, traveling moves as well. And what I do with my arms and hands and also with my facial expression. And facial expressions are hard. They still need work in that area. It's mostly with performing. And burlesque helps with bringing out a character in both posing and performing. So I feel like they all help each other. Interesting. So burlesque bringing out the character and posing as a model, contributing to your ability to pose and do more interesting poses, a variety of poses, and also to transition in between them. Yes. Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured light in my body food. What is one vegan whole food ingredient that you love? So I am highly allergic to a lot of different things that are vegan, except for rice. I love rice a lot. My boyfriend could tell you that I really love rice. I love buckets of rice. <laughs> and I like to put budakake on it. Budakake, I think that's how you pronounce it. And it's a seaweed seasoning that you put on rice. And it really adds to it. I don't know how to describe the taste. It definitely has seaweed in it. I love it. I did a little research on furikake after talking to Naima. I think it means sprinkle in Japanese. Naima likes nori gomi furikake made by Ajishima. And I saw so many kinds out there. Some have sesame seeds, white and black sesame seeds and seaweed like nori. Others add salt and sugar and other ingredients. Some have bonita flakes, which is made from fish, but you can totally get it plant-based. And furikake is similar to gamasio, which is a condiment that my family eats often on rice. Toasting sesame seeds in your kitchen actually makes your kitchen smell like heaven and then you grind them a little bit with some sea salt and it's amazing adding some nori or other sea vegetables to that just sounds so good nori is packed with calcium minerals vitamins it's amazing it's too bad we don't incorporate more sea vegetables into american cuisine i mean there are different edible sea vegetables that grow on coasts all over the world not just in asia sea vegetables from ireland maine thank you so much naima for introducing us to furukake Yeah, there are different kinds. The one I use the most has just seaweed in it. I don't like fish either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not allergic to fish, but I don't like it. So yeah, I usually get the one that just has seaweed and sea salt in it. Cool. I love sea vegetables too. My husband grew up macrobiotic and eating a lot of sea vegetables at home. What kind of rice do you like? Short grain, long grain? I don't really have a preference on rice. I like it all. <laughs> nice. Red rice, volcanic, black sticky rice. Oh, I mean, oh, there's so many amazing kinds of rice. <laughs> Let's play dress up. Make you shine. Costume tip. What is one costume tip that you'd like to share? Big snaps. I always use big snaps, and I learned that from a student of mine, her name is Gary. Instead of safety pens that might stab you if you move the wrong way, we sew big, chunky snaps onto our costume, and I love them so much. All my belts have one half of the snap on there that I attach to my skirt, and my skirts all have snaps, and sometimes even my shorts or my underwear will have snaps on them, so everything just snaps together, and it is put and my bras as well. I'm looking at the Dritz sew-on snaps, like the little wheels with the little holes in the sides. What kind of snaps are we talking about? So they're the little tiny ones, and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. They aren't ridiculously big. There are some that are ridiculously big. These are about the size of a quarter. And you just sew them onto your costumes? Yes. 
cool. You just sew them where you would put safety pins. And then it's actually adjustable to some degree too, right? If you sew in a couple rows. Yeah. That's a good idea. Then you don't need that many. Like on most of them, I just have one snap in the back and my belt stays in place. My skirt stays in place with the bra. I have hooks and then I have snaps on the other end of the strap. And for the back, I have rings. Rings are nice too. But yeah, you don't need a lot of those big snaps. Just a few will do. Cool. Do you want to talk about makeup? You do the most amazing eye makeup, especially. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to see it on Instagram and (laughs) on Facebook. I experiment a lot and I have different albums of photos that I save from Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook of other makeup artists in different looks. And I will take those and say, okay, I'm going to experiment with this today. But, you know, I don't copy it straight out of the page. I add something different which might work with my eye shape or my eyebrows. Like, what am I going to do today? And it's all an experiment. And I just go with it. Usually it comes out pretty okay. I'm usually happy with it. Occasionally I'm like, oh, no, I need to fix that. That looks really strange. So it's all an experiment and with a lot of inspiration from from all over the place. I don't know if I really have anyone in particular that I go to the most. Can't think of anyone at the moment. Cool. Is there a kind of a tool or an eyeliner or something that you have that you use the most that people might not have themselves? When I do wear eyeliner, I double up on the eyeliner. I wear both pencil and liquid because I have very oily skin that keeps my eyeliner in place. I also use an eyeshadow base and there's one I use for when I'm just wearing eyeliner and one I use for when I'm wearing eyeshadow. The one that I use for eyeshadow keeps the eyeshadow in place. The one I use for eyeliner keeps the eyeliner in place. So I would say doubling up on eyeliner and eyeshadow base. And when I say double up, I mean I use an automatic pencil and I never use the kind that you have to sharpen because it usually end up cutting up your eyes. And I go over it with a matte liquid. Some people like the more shiny liquid eyeliner, but the matte I feel really black so that's what I go with cool and did you say you put a base underneath so you would put a base underneath the automatic eyeliner yes I start with an eye base and this one is very lightweight and I go over that with uh, automatic pencil eyeliner I'm terrified to use liquid liner (laughs) did you always feel confident using it or was there something that you did to get used to it I got into makeup when I was in middle school and I just done it (laughs) always I I remember the first time I got eyeliner my mom would buy me eyeliner so my birthday came up and I asked all my friends to buy me eyeliner they would ask me what I wanted for my birthday I told them all eyeliner so I had a ton of eyeliner I had liquid I had pencil I had all different shades so I've been practicing since then nice you're inspiring me to get some liquid liner and try it out it always looks (laughs) so good when people do it I feel like I just draw all over my face I mean, when I'm in quarantine, that's probably the best time to start playing with stuff like that. Absolutely. (laughs) If you have a costume tip to share, please send it my way via Facebook or an email through my site. As Will Durant said, we are what we repeatedly do. So let us repeatedly do what the divinely lovely do. Feel good. Look good, Habit. 
Do you have a feel-good, look-good habit that you want to share? Well, when we first got into this quarantine business, I was just full of anxiety, and I did not want to do anything but work with the Art of the Belly stuff that we had to straighten out early on, and that was it. That was all I could do. That was all I had the energy to do. It was actually thanks to belly dancers in the community that I've gotten my motivation back because they're like, hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, all right, it sounds like fun. So ever since then, what makes me feel better is doing, really just doing, just doing belly dance, doing makeup, just getting things done and being creative. And it's actually driving me crazy now because there's now so much that I can do. And I feel like I don't have enough time. (laughs) It's like before quarantine where I just didn't have enough time to do anything. And now I have time to do these things and I'm getting other things that I wouldn't be able to get done in quarantine, but I still don't have the time (laughs) to do some of the other things that I want to do. But I'll get to them, I'm sure. So your feel-good, look-good habit is to be creative. Cool. Though, do you have a structure for that? I decide the day before what I'm going to do the following day, or actually I start the week before. I say, I'm going to do this this day, that day, so on and so forth. So today I am talking to you, <laughs> and <laughs> later I will be working on a costume for an upcoming online show. So that is my plan for today, and if I can get through this costume today, that will be a big accomplishment for me, and I will feel good about it. <laughs> nice. What's the style of costume you're creating? Believe it or not, it is super shiny and it is the most flashiest costume I've ever made. And I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Ooh, getting wild. It's wonderful. Tell us about something exciting that you have coming up. Well, there is an old school show that's coming up. It's the old school anthology show. And that's what I'm making the costume for. And I'm really excited about the piece that I'm working on for that as well. And that's another thing I'll be working on today is that choreography. And yeah, that's one thing I'm looking forward to. Cool. Who's hosting that show? Glenna. She owns Shamisa with an A in uh, Columbia, Maryland. Awesome. I looked up the meaning of your dance name, peaceful, calm. Yeah. Is that why you chose it? No. <laughs> it was after a comic book character I saw many years ago. She was uh, a actress, dancer <laughs> sort of character. And yeah, that's where I got it from. And it's followed me. <laughs> cool. I love how it's comic book inspired. I love Naima Akif, the golden era dancer. It really matches who I think you are to have it inspired by a comic book character. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show, Naima. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for sharing your nuggets of wisdom about eyeliner and taking on the challenge of dancing to live music and other fun things. And we can't wait to see you dance more on Instagram. Naima Dances, N-A-I-M-A-H Dances. You can check out Naima on Instagram and on Facebook and on her website, NaimaDances.com. Thank you so much, Naima. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on aliciafree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helps you feel a little lighter.